Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. And there was a word before that, I've overcome the world. And it was a word, fear not. Fear not. Because what he was about to tell them was, I'm about to go be crucified. I'm about to be put into a grave. And I'm about, you're about to see something that you weren't expecting. But fear not. I've overcome the world. Fear not. I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad he wasn't specific about what he overcame. He kind of summed it all up of what he overcame. We just, I've overcome all of it. All of it. All of it. So whatever you're facing today, no matter what the situation looks like, we serve a God that's already overcome that and given you the victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I believe that. And that's not true because I said it. It's true because he said it. And he proved it when he was nailed to a cross, put into a tomb. He, how many of you believe that he resurrected? He came out of the grave and he ascended into the heavens. How many of you believe he's coming back? He's coming back. Woo! Well, glory. Y'all make me want to preach. I thought I heard something when I... Maybe you were just worshiping. When I came to the pulpit, I thought I heard like air go out of this place a little bit. Like, ah, ah. Because I'm not the senior pastor, Pastor Rex Johnson. We love him so very much. We miss him today. He is preaching out today. You need to understand something about our pastor. He's kind of in demand. He's kind of in demand. Word has gotten out that he's got a word on his life and through his life to speak to the people of God and he gets a lot of invitations and he doesn't accept all those invitations thank God but he is gone today because he accepted one that he needed to fulfill and we pray God would bless him and make make sure he gets safe travels home he would want me to announce this all the men said amen, amen. all the men said amen, amen. okay tomorrow night Monday night is men's Bible study starts at 630 and I don't know who's playing tomorrow night on Monday night football. It, it doesn't really matter because you're going to be out. You're going to be out of Monday night Bible study. And then you're going to enter in into Monday night football to whoever's playing. You're going to make it home in time. We don't compete against that. Pastor's bringing a word to us tomorrow night upstairs. And we're going to have food. Everybody said amen. amen. There's, nothing greater, there's nothing greater than God's men to get together and eat. Hey, by the way, that's a part of the New Testament church. They broke bread together. And then they talked about Jesus. That's kind of what we're going to do tomorrow night. Something brand new we're trying. It's going to be a great, 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 great night. Turn around and give somebody a high five and say, I'm going to help him preach even though pastor's not here. I'm going to help him even though pastor's not here. You may be seated. Thank you for being here to our guests. We welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Come back when our senior pastor's in the pulpit. There's nobody like him on the face of the earth. And you'll be blessed because you did. Amen. I believe God has a word for us today. Anybody here ever heard of uh, the experiment or the study of the marshmallow experiment? Marshmallow experiment. Nobody. This is amazing. 
Uh, it was, it's called several other things. Uh, uh, I think it was with cookies and so other and things like that. But delayed gratification experiment is another one. Uh, it's in, let me tell you what it is. It's where they look at the ability of kids to resist the temptation for immediate reward and try to get them to wait and, 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 and try to get a bigger reward if they'll just delay that and they'll give them something greater. Does it sound familiar? Is it ringing a bell? Anybody? No? Okay, you're in luck because our, our incredible media team has, has put together this video from, from YouTube that I asked them to do. And they, first of all, I want to say thank you to them. They do all the lights, they do all the media stuff. That's not an easy job. Thank you very much for giving every single week to that. And they especially don't like me sometimes because I throw things on them at the last minute, which is kind of what you're about to see at the last minute. But I want you to watch this. I want you to, I want you to pay attention to this because we're going to talk a little bit about this today. You should go ahead and show the clip. Is that absolute torture? <laughs> Unbelievable. I don't recommend that you try this with your children at home. It, it, it looks like it, it should, they shouldn't do that to kids. I don't know. I don't know any of us in here. We, we, more than we'd like to admit, we're probably a whole lot like these kids with other things. Maybe not marshmallows. I got this close to bringing marshmallows today. But then I got to thinking about what I was preaching about and said, no, I better not do that. But I tell you something, this is an amazing experiment that they did. And it reveals a lot about uh, all of us. Uh, these kids aren't, you know, super specific or, or, or special. This is in all of us. This, this whole idea of having uh, delayed gratification is a tough, tough thing. And so here's what I found out about this experiment that I want to point out today. This marshmallow experiment did, in fact, have some long-term results of the person's ability to delay gratification. In other words, what they found was these same kids that they performed this study on, they found later on in life, later on, they, were, they, they tended to carry this kind of thinking throughout their entire life. Now, don't go home and do this with your kids to try to figure out what kind of adult they're going to be. Why don't you just let it be a surprise when, you get, when they get a little older? You'll, you'll figure it out, what kind, of, what kind of personality they have. But the truth is, is that there's a lot of us that are more like this than we'd like, we care to admit. And so I don't have to tell you, what I'm about to tell you is, is pretty common knowledge, that temptation is a real thing. Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> temptation is difficult. Can I get an amen right there? Temptation is hard. Go ahead and say amen right there. How many of you would like to know a little bit about what the Bible would have to say about temptation? We need some help with that. Here's what I believe. Temptation is as old as time. So I, th I thought we would take some time this morning to look at this. And there's two things that jumped out at me when I started to study this out. And I started looking at this study that these, these, these people did to these kids. Uh, and number one is, if the study is true about it following them on into their future then there was more at stake than just the marshmallows. If it's true that they carried this same kind of difficulty with this study on into their life, then it wasn't really the marshmallows. The marshmallows were kind of a side note to the whole thing. And the second thing I noticed about this study was that, number two, the kids', uh, the kids ability to withstand the delayed gratification or the temptation that was put on them had a whole lot to do with the confidence in the person that told them that they would bring them to. So the person given the promises, it mattered whether or not they believed in that person or had confidence in that person. It had unbelievable numbers, a shift in numbers when it was somebody they knew and they believed and they trusted and had confidence in. 
So here's what we're going to do today. Number one, when it comes to temptation, when it comes to temptation for all of us, there is, there is always more at stake than what we think. Always. And it's true for all of us that when it comes to temptation, your ability to withstand temptation has a whole lot to do with your confidence in Almighty God. These two things sound so elementary, so simple that even children can, can give us an example of it, an illustration of it this morning. But it so easily slides off our radar screen, out of our minds, when we are face to face with the temptations of everyday life. And here's what I want to preach to you today, that I believe that if somehow we could right in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of facing the temptations that we all face, we, were, we could stop, we could pause, we could stop just a minute and say, whoa, 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 hang on a second, and realize that there is more to this temptation than what I think. And it's in this temptation that it's not just an issue of my self-control. That's not what I'm going to preach to you today. I really believe that it's an issue of confidence in God. Now, hear me say this about temptation, and you're thinking, you're thinking about your particular temptations right now. Some of you may be thinking about your temptations with food, and, and like, oh, yeah, food, that's, oh, that's a big one. I have a lot bigger than that. Or maybe, maybe it's a dessert after, after a meal every time. Maybe you struggle with that. Maybe, you know, you know honey, I just, just go in there and make something up. I have to have something. Maybe it's a financial thing for you. Maybe you're thinking about a temptation with your finances, that you know you can't afford it. You know you shouldn't do it, but you're tempted to do it anyway. Maybe it's whether you should buy something or not. Josh, I don't really see the correlation between my food temptation and my confidence in God. And I hope, to, I hope to help you with that. I don't, and you may be saying that I don't, I don't really see the correlation between a sexual temptation and my confidence in God. And that's the reason many of us don't factor this in because we don't see the correlation. And hopefully we can, we can learn about that today because it's hard to see. It's difficult. And yet many times we have people that come into the church and people that come in and find the Lord that say, it's, I can't break free from certain addictions and certain temptations seem to have my number and I can't get away from it and I can't push away from it. No matter how hard I try to think myself happy or tell me that this doesn't have me bound. And I hope to help you today. Everybody said amen to that. Here's what I want to preach to you today. With every temptation, there's always more at stake than you think. And in every temptation, there is a relationship between the temptation that we're facing and our confidence in Almighty God. You need to believe that. Now, there may be some here today that are here for the first time, or maybe, maybe you don't come to church very often, and you're sitting here thinking, of all the days for me to show up to church, he's going to preach about temptation. This is the whole thing I want to get away from. Temptation's a real thing. And if you're, if you're like me, growing up, I had my eye on people that just seemed to have it all together. People that in the church that just seemed like just to fly through life and nothing really bothered them. And, I would, and, and many of you are sitting here today that you, you don't feel like you can do anything for God. You want to do more for God, but this one thing, this temptation, this, this reoccurring temptation has you bound or has you thinking that you're bound. But I want, to, I want to help you with something today. Don't look at your neighbor today and say, man, I wish I could be more like them. Because here's the truth. We all struggle and have problems with temptation. Don't let that out. It's not that we're so good. It's not that person that you have your eye on that seems to fly through temptation and fly through life without having any difficulty with temptation. It has nothing to do with them necessarily. 
The truth is that somewhere along the way, no doubt, they learned to factor in that their confidence in God with their everyday life and living for God. They're not better than us. They're not better than you. They have something else going in their life. Number one, they understand that every single temptation that they face, there's more at stake than what they think. And it's always, always, everybody say always. It's always an issue with our confidence in God. Now, if you want to take a nap, now's a good time to do that because that's what the whole message is about. That's it in a nutshell right there. Well, don't you just close? No, I'm going to give you a lot more. But that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about right there. That whole thing. We're going to look at the temptations of Jesus. That seems like a pretty good place to start, doesn't it? Seems like a pretty good person to learn from. Now, if you don't have problem with temptation and you're never tempted with anything, then you're better than Jesus. You're greater than Jesus. You need to be the one up here doing something, I don't know, amazing, you know, going to the cross, whatever. Jesus had temptation. Jesus was tempted. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that, unfortunately, we don't have enough time to exhaust every single chapter, every single verse, and exclude all the things I'd love to exclude out of there for us and pull out and examine. But I want you to go home and read your Bible. Doesn't that sound weird? I want you to go home and read the rest of the story. We're going to look at these words, and we're going to gain encouragement. We're going to gain knowledge from them. But I want to encourage you to go home and read the entire thing because we don't have time to go verse by verse. We're going to look briefly at the story where Jesus was tempted. One of these, you'll recognize one of these temptations. One of them are very, very famous, and the other two are not so famous, and we're going to check these out. But the fact that, that we even have a behind-the-scenes look at how Jesus was tempted and his response to these temptations, that is a huge advantage for you and me. That helps me. That encourages me. And we're going to look at this together. These verses are very, very rich and bring light to a lot of the ideas that we're going to talk about in in dealing with temptation. And there's, there's always more. First of all, we're going to look at there's always more at stake than what you think. And in every temptation, what's at stake is some degree is our confidence in God every single time. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, you can look up on the screen. And we're going to look at this, this verse together. At verse 16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, everybody say, Jesus got baptized. Jesus got baptized. As soon as he was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Now, this is an aha moment. This is a wow moment of the New Testament. This is a big deal. Everybody say, this is a big deal. This is a moment that if you were there, you would never, ever, 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 ever forget. There were lights there were lights from heaven. There was uh, the Spirit of the Lord that has descended on him like a dove. It doesn't say it was a dove. It's like a dove. So whatever that may have been, I don't know. But it was like a dove. I don't know anything that's like a dove. But it descended on him. And Matthew, who's writing this, and we're reading in, the, in our text, he wasn't there. So Matthew's trying to gain this insight from John. And no doubt, he's saying, John, tell me again. Explain to me what happened. Tell me how the lights came down. Tell me how the Spirit came down. And so he tells him, and then in verse 17, we pick up and he says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is awesome. This is a moment. 
This is an incredible YouTube moment. This would definitely make it to YouTube. This would definitely make it to social media. And he's saying to him, this is a happening that everyone would be happy about. It's awesome. And everybody say, and then. And then. Chapter 4, verse 1 is connected with a then or and then. Then means right after. Then means these two chapters go together. They're connected. This means that there was nothing in in between these two chapters. They go right together. Verse 1 of chapter 4 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't think we heard that right. I, I, Jesus was led into the uh, led into the by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is my son. I love him very much. I am so well pleased in him. Follow me, son. Where are we going? To the desert to be tempted by the devil. Wait a minute. Did I do something wrong? I thought you said you were pleased with me. I am. I thought you said you loved me. I do. There's nothing wrong with you. You didn't do anything wrong. Then what are we doing? I'm going to take you out. You're not listening. I'm going to take you out to the desert, and I want you to be tempted by the devil. I love how the Bible does that because the Bible doesn't pull any kind of punches. Like, we can't get to the end of our life and be like, you know, it just, it was kind of shady. It was kind of, kind of gray. It wasn't really black and white. It's very black and white. He was led out of the water after this powerful moment into the desert by himself to be tempted by the devil. And the very same thing happened to Abraham. Did you know that? And the very same thing happened to Moses. And the very same thing happened to the 12 disciples. And the very same thing happens to you and to me. We are tempted. Can I get a good amen right there? We are tempted. You've got to get your mind around this. It's hard to grasp sometimes that Jesus was doing what he was supposed to be doing. Jesus was doing everything right. He got the approval of his father, and it was an aha moment, and he's led by the Spirit, a God thing, led him out there to be tempted by the devil. His primary purpose was to be tempted. Many, many, many people have a difficulty with this because they don't understand how I can be in the will of God and still not have conquered this, this temptation or still not have conquered what, what this, this thing that keeps bombarding my life. Pay attention because we're going to get to that in just a moment. Maybe this is why the Lord's Prayer, I, I don't think this is why, but I'm going to throw this out there. And if you theologians that want to debate this, you can talk to Pastor Mitch because he's a theologian. But in the Lord's Prayer, after Jesus is tempted, later on, months later, he's standing in front of his disciples and he teaches them, he teaches them how to pray, right? He tells them, oh, and by the way, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's almost like he said, listen, by the way, you need to write this down. I, it's not pretty. You need to not forget to pray this. Pray, pray, don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from this evil. Don't, don't forget to pray that because it's pretty tough to be out in the desert and to be face to face with an enemy that is tempting you night and day. Pray, pray that. Verse 2 says, after 40 days and 40 nights, comma, 
He was hungry. You wonder why they put that kind of stuff in the Bible. You Really? He was hungry, you think? 40 days and 40 nights without food, you think he was hungry. The Bible says he hungered. He was hungry. And then verse 3 picks right up just like the devil does. Watch this. And the tempter came to him. Now, you think that's an accident? You think it's an accident that the enemy waited to the, the point where 40 days and 40 nights and he came to him as the tempter after he was starving to death, after he was so hungry and weak and emaciated that the enemy comes to him and starts tempting him? I think it not strange. I think the enemy knows exactly when to attack us, exactly what to attack us with, and exactly how to do it. I believe that. The tempter comes to him. These verses are so full and so rich. And I, I, man, I wish deeply that we could, we could spend a lot of time here. But I want you to go home and read this. And you're going to discover a, a great things in this chapter. But I, I, want to, I want to point out a couple of things to you. Jesus is tempted three specific ways. Three ways. And we're really not going to have time to break those down. But I, I, I'm just going to hit them and keep going. But you need to go home and read this. This will help you. So it, it, all three of these, you need to know this. All three of these, the enemy attacked his confidence... In Almighty God. That's where he attacked him. All three of them had to do with his confidence in God. And all three of these temptations are in the background of every single one of our temptations that he brings to us today. All the silly ones. All the big ones. All the little bitty ones. All of them, one out of the three, will be a part of that temptation. It's no coincidence, it's no accident that the enemy waited to the 40 days and the 40 nights and he goes out there and he has a strategic plan. He has something in store for him and it's three specific temptations that he's going to attack him with and they are a part of our life right now. I would submit that every temptation that you will ever face in the past or before, you are going to have one of these elements a part of that temptation. We do well to learn from them. We would do well to learn from these temptations. And I'm not going to go into a lot of those, but here's what, I, here's what you're going to discover when you go home and read. Every single one of these temptations fall into one of these three categories. Every single one of them. You ready? The temptation to Jesus on the first one, the devil comes to him and quickly, I'm, quickly I'm going to go through these. He says, after 40 days, He's hungry. He's been fasting. No food, just water. He comes to him, and you know, he's brilliant. You know what he said? Turn these stones into bread. If you're the son of God, go ahead and turn these stones into bread. It's perfect. It's a legitimate, it's a legitimate need that the Lord had, but he would have had to gone and done it. Gone and done it. Isn't that good? <laughs> Unbelievable. He would have done that, if he would have done that, it would have been a, he would have had to gone and done that in an illegitimate way. You'll never forget that point. So he tempts him to do it, and it wasn't the will of God. It wasn't what he was led out there by the Spirit. He was in the will of God in the perfect place, and he tries to get him to do something, a legitimate need, but in an illegitimate way. Number two, the second thing was he tried to leverage God and to force his will. You know what he did? He takes him up to a high part of the temple, the highest part, the Bible says, and he tells him, throw yourself off of this temple, Lord, if you believe, and you know, listen, I'm going to quote scripture to you, he said. He said the Lord was going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, Pick you up. He won't allow you even to dash your foot against a rock. Go ahead and, and fall off, jump off of here, and see. He tried to leverage 
He tempted him to leverage the will of God. How many have ever been guilty of that? Number three, he takes a shortcut. He tempts him with a shortcut, which is the enemy takes him up and tempts him with, listen, all this can be yours. All, he shows him the kingdoms of the world. He says, all these kingdoms can be yours. All you have to do, just one little small, little tiny little thing, you bow down and worship me. So the, the whole idea was this. You can take a shortcut because it was already promised that Jesus was going to have all of those things anyway. But he was trying to get him to take a shortcut and to go outside the will of God to accomplish what his future held for him. And Jesus said, I don't think so. I don't think so. So the third thing was he tried to take a shortcut and do the right thing the wrong way. Here's what I found to be true about temptation. As scary and as ugly and as secret as we try to be with our temptations, here's what I have found to be true. As you begin to peel off some of the layers of temptation and when you start talking about it and we start preaching about it and we start having real conversation about it and we start ripping the layers off uh, layer after layer and we start looking beneath and pull back the curtains, suddenly those temptations begin to lose their leverages in our life. That's what I've found to be true. Because what happens is you begin to see those temptations for what they really, truly are. That's why when you come into this place and you hear people talk about giving their heart and life to Jesus Christ, they say things like, man, those things I used to do, I used to find so hard to give up. Suddenly, I find very easy to give up. Suddenly, they've lost their hold on my life. Once I became a Christ follower, it was so easy to say no to that. Once I became full of the Holy Ghost, it was, it was so easy for me to break those addictions that had been holding me down and tempting my life. Once I became a Christian, my life began to change supernaturally. And here's why. Here's why that happens. It's be, not because you got more, got more. Boy, my English is on fire today. Y'all just let me be me. Is that okay? Can I just say God? You didn't say anything anyway. It was me. Here's what happens. It's not because you, you suddenly realize that, man, I'm super cool now. I, don't, I, don't, I, can, I can do all this stuff. Like It's just mind over matter now. I got this. That's not what happens. When you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ and he baptizes you with his spirit, you have insights that you never have had before. A surrendered heart always gains insight into the things that are surrounding our life. That's why it becomes so much easier. Now, he, now, let me give you an example. Anybody remember the, uh, uh, the Land of Oz? I think that's what it was called. The, powerful, uh, the, the Great and Powerful Oz, right? And nobody remembers that. My English is bad and nobody knows what I'm talking about. I'm kidding. Something happens in that. People are scared to death of this, this thing and they won't approach it. It's, it's completely uh, owning their life. And somebody gets the bright idea to go look behind the curtain. And you know what happens. They pull the curtain back. And there's a little bitty man back there pulling all these levers. Little bitty man back there pulling all the gears. Making this craziness happen. And scaring all these people. And, and keeping these people in hostage. When, when, when they look back there. They realize this. And suddenly the great and powerful Oz wasn't so great and powerful anymore. Now. In our lives, that's exactly the way temptation works. The enemy would have you to believe 
that this great and powerful temptation that's dominating your life or that's readily available to you on a, on a regular basis that's, that's dominating you and keeping you bound, that, that there's some stronghold in your life that you never can shake. That's a lie. And I want us to pull back the curtain, so to speak, on temptation. I want us to look at that and begin to believe and see through the power of the Holy Ghost and, I, and pray that God will allow our eyes to be open to what these temptations that we're facing really truly are. Temptation, by the way, is never going to go away. So we need to hear this. If you're breathing, you're, you can be tempted. And if you're not Jesus, even if you are Jesus, you qualify. And it's never going away. It's going to be a part of your life forever. It's a part of living but as we begin to understand what's operating in the backdrop of this, as we begin to see what is happening beneath the surface, you're going to find power. You're going to find ability. You're going to find the determination and the spiritual fortitude. And here's what I want you to do. To stop. To stop right in the middle of that temptation. To stop right in the middle of that, that dilemma and pause and say, wait a minute. I know what's going on here. I see your trick. I see what's happening. This really isn't about him. This really isn't about her, that particular person. It's something much, much, much deeper than that that's going on here. And by the grace of God, we're going to be able to gain some traction in our life. And we're going to be able, not through self-control, but through the power of the Spirit, be able to see some of these things that we're dealing with. Why don't you say amen to that? And here's the truth of the matter. It's because that's not all there is to it. What we see is not all there is to it. This insight will give us the determination and the spiritual fortitude to deal differently and more effectively with the the temptations that we face every day. You need to know that Jesus came to die for your sins. Yes, he did. He did come to die, but he didn't just come to pay for our sins. He came to free us. From the power of sin over our lives. Many people never understand that. They receive that, that he came to die for them. Yes, he did. But then their life it becomes bound and becomes, becomes uh, this, 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 they're chained in darkness. And they, they've never really understood that he didn't just come to give them eternal life someday. He didn't come and break the, the curse of sin for someday. He came to break the curse of sin and take away the power of sin in our life right now. Right now. And that's great news. That's great news. One of the ways he shows us, one of the ways that he gives us, one of the things he gives us to help us to overcome temptation is this beautiful picture that he gives us in this text where he was tempted. He was tempted. Man, that makes me feel better. I don't know about you, but I need him to be tempted. It makes me feel better. It doesn't make me feel like a sinner because being tempted is not, being, is not sin. That's not what it is. Jesus was sinless. He said in the beginning, we said this in the beginning, that there's more to temptation than what we see. There's more at stake than what we think. Now, in the midst of temptation, now, it's one thing to sit here and say, oh, yeah, mm mm-hmm. By the way, can somebody just give me a a, 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 mm mm-hmm? Okay, if you're sitting beside somebody, I don't know, I'm just going to tell you this, and somebody goes, "Mm mm-hmm, it's not a cow thing. It has nothing to do with cows. It has to do with saying amen, but you haven't worked up an amen yet. So you're, "Mm mm-hmm, that's what that is. It's okay to say, "Mm mm-hmm. Don't be alarmed if it's your first time. We we don't... It's 
one thing to sit here and say, mm-hmm, preach that. Did, yeah, temptation. Yeah, there's more to temptation than what, there's more at stake to temptation than what we think. There's more than temptation than what we see. Mm-hmm, keep that. But when it's us, and it's in our life, it is so difficult for our, us to understand and us to grasp and hold on to what is happening to us. Should I eat this dessert or should I not eat this dessert? That's just as simple as that, right? Should I call him back or should I not call him back? That's all there is to it. Should I go in or should I not go in? Should I invite her in or should I not invite her in? Should I tell them the whole deal or should I hold something back? Should I disclose everything or should I leave some of these things out? In the moment of temptation, the issue seems to be the only thing that's right smack dab in front of our face. Guilty. That's all there seems to be at stake. So we give in to temptation and we violate our conscience and we sin or we disobey God, just depending on how you want to phrase that. And there's a big difference, by the way, in a mistake and sin. I believe in sin. Can you say amen? amen. If Only if you agree. People have exchanged that sometimes with mistakes and sins. A mistake is kind of when you're doing the reconciliation in your checkbook and you're going down through there and you're going 110 miles an hour and you're like, oh my God, honey, where's, where's that check? Oh, you didn't write it down. Anybody else? No. <laughs> Nobody reconciles their checkbook anymore. It's unbelievable. Anyway, a mistake is making a math error in your checkbook and you can take an eraser and erase it out. Sin is kind of a big deal. You can't take a giant eraser and mark it out. You have to come boldly into the throne room of grace and ask God to forgive you. So sin is a big deal. And you know what happens when we sin? Yes. We feel guilty. We feel guilty. And the next morning we get up and we, we live our life. And you know what's, what's amazing about sin? Life continues to go on. Not a whole lot changes. And so if you're not careful, if you're not careful, what's in front of you can seem like the main issue. It's just the temptation. It's the, just the person. It's just the call. It's just the dessert. It's just the decision. Whatever it might be. But one of the things that we've got to face before we go any, any further in this message, we have to have progress in, 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 in temptation. We have to believe that there's more at stake than what we think. Everybody say, there's more at stake than what I think. Now, it's not said, but if you go back and read the story, and I know you're going to do this. You're going to go back and read this story, The Temptations of Jesus. Do you know, that, do you know what was at stake when Jesus was being tempted? It wasn't, let me just throw this out. When the devil said, turn these stones into bread because you're hungry, it wasn't the bread. Do you know what hung in the balance between him saying yes or no? You. Me. We hung in the balance. The only way he was going to have, give propitiation for our sin was to remain sinless. For him not to give in to temptation, that was the only way for him to... And in, in light of this, when you go home and look at this, it looks like it's just the thing. But there's always more at stake with temptation than what we think. In order for him to remain the sinless son of God, and in order for him to have the opportunity to die for our sins, he had to remain sinless, and he did. And he did. The, the temptation of, uh, will you turn these pieces of stone into bread? It was much bigger than that. 
It was much bigger than that. The second one, the enemy took him up and said, fall off, jump off, and let God take you in his wings. He won't let you harm yourself. It was bigger than that. Our souls were at stake. But it's so difficult to see this. There's more at stake in a moment of time than what we're facing. And every single time we're tempted, there is more at stake than what we see. Every single time. There is a tendency on our part just to think that it's just about the here and now. Here is the truth. Here's the absolute truth. Every single time that we're tempted, you know what's at stake every single time me and you are tempted every single day of our life? Number one, our futures are at stake. Every single time we're tempted, somebody else's future is at stake. Every single time we're tempted, our faith is at stake. Every time. Every time we're tempted, our future is at stake. Every single time we're tempted, somebody we love's future is at stake. Every single time we're tempted, our confidence in God is at stake. And it's so easy to see this in other people. It's so easy. You even see it in, in parents, in parenting. Parents that uh, have kids and little Johnny will come in and do something, something something small and minute and his mama will say, oh my Lord, honey, did you see what he did? It's going to lead to plan. It's going to lead to B. It's going to lead to C. It's going to lead to D. It's going to lead to E. He's going to grow up and be a mass killer. He's going to be a serial killer. I can see it all over him. You see what he did? Even a small little thing that he did, and they can see that it's leading to something in the future. Something so small, something minute. It has huge ramifications, even small deeds. In other, in other words, as a parent or a friend or a neighbor, it's so easy to see how the future is at stake in everybody else's life but our own. We even do this in movies. Movies, uh, y'all watch movies, right? How many of you ever seen uh, Empire Strikes Back? Nobody has seen the Empire Strikes Back. I want you to put up on the screen. Who is that? Darth Vader, baby. (laughs) He's actually not a good guy, if you haven't seen it. There's a point in this movie that is so dramatic and is so emotional. And, and it's when Darth Vader uh, corners Luke and Luke uh, is, is, is cowering down and he's hurt and, and Darth Vader begins to talk to him and he tells him, he says, the emperor knows that you're going to destroy him. That was a terrible Darth Vader. And he knows that your destiny is to destroy him, Luke. He says, join me. Is that better? Join me, Luke, and together we will rule the galaxy. That's amazing. Not one amen, and I got claps for Darth Vader. So Darth Vader has him cornered, and, and he's tempting him with ruling the galaxy, and it's so emotional, and, and you know, I could cry right now from it, but... What happens is when you're sitting in your living room or you went to watch this in the 70s, you know, unbelievable, that you, you, you say, and you scream out to the screen, don't do it, Luke, don't do it. It's, don't do it. Luke, listen to me. He's lying. <laughs> Luke, you don't understand. I don't know what your destiny is, but <laughs> I'm a great actor. I don't know what your destiny is, but it's got to be better than this. This is a trap. Don't do it, Luke. 
And we see it even in people that don't even exist. However, our temptation, our destinies, our futures that are at stake every time we look into the eyes of temptation, is just some little small decision, just some little thing, when in fact it is a fork in the road. In fact, it's a huge, huge decision, has huge ramifications for our future. And I can see that in your life. And as a pastor, I've seen that set, over, set, set with people and seen the mistakes and seen choices and seen the temptations that people have given into and thought, how can you not see this? How can you not see this? You ever been there? You're talking with your family or maybe a, a child. And you're saying, I, I, but you can't see yours either. We can see it on others, but we have such a horrible problem seeing this on ourselves. The future is at stake. And at some degree, every, every person that you love is at stake as well. It's not just you, but it's other people. Your future with somebody else is at stake. Everybody under authority has the potential to, to, to make decisions, to make everybody under them suffer. Moms, you have the potential to give in to temptation and hurt your children. Dads, you have the ability to give in to temptation and hurt your wife and hurt your children. The kids suffer. We think it's just us. We think it's just our small thing. It's my little habit. It's my little deal. It's a one-time decision, but no. We, we've seen that. We could all testify to that, that we've seen brokenness. We've seen broken homes of moms that couldn't resist the temptation to drink too much, dads that couldn't resist the temptation to run around too much on mom. We've seen this happen, and it doesn't just affect those individuals. It affects the family unit. It affects people. It affects the futures of others. Temptation. Always hanging in the balance of the future of others. Just my little deal. No, it's not. It's much bigger than that. And consequently, not only their lives were affected with the decisions that they made and the temptations that they gave into, but your life was affected as well. Again, we see people around us. We see people with their problems, their issues, but we can't see it on ourselves. We think it has nothing to do with our future when it has everything to do with our future and it has everything to do with our families. And, And there's a third thing. There's a third thing. Your faith is at stake. Your faith. Your faith is at stake every single time that we sin. Every single time we're faced with temptation. Every single time we have sin, we, we damage our emotional attachment and relationship with the Lord. Let me explain that. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve choose to sin, they choose to take part of the temptation. The temptation was front and center, and they chose to. There's a little bit of disconnect started snapping, and it began to twist away in the relationship. Not God. But them, they begin to withdraw. They begin to draw lines because the Bible said when the Lord came to walk, the God came to walk in the cool of the day looking for them, looking to have communion with them, looking to have relationship with them, that they hid themselves because the last person we want to see when we give in to temptation is him. And so every single time that we put ourselves in a position where we're giving in to temptation, we begin, not him redrawing from us, but us redrawing from him, and begin to take and take and take and take that away. And what happens is, if you're not careful, you violate your conscience. You know it's not right. You know it's not the best decision, even though you think you can manage the outcome, even though you think it's just a small decision, and I've got this, and this is just mine. Nobody even knows about this. I understand this. I understand this. But here's what you need to know. You don't have it under control. There's more to it than what you think. 
You make or break your relationship with God every single time we're faced with temptation. And here's what happens. We, we tell God when we feel guilty, God, forgive me. And he's so faithful and just and he will and he's looking for you. I don't want you to think that he's mad at you. He's not. He wants to, he wants to make the relationship right. He wants to make the relationship work and make it, make it what it needs to be. And we come to him and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And he does and he does and he does. But if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll begin to behave your way out of the presence of God. Because sin breaks our confidence in God. Sin breaks our confidence with God. Sin breaks our sense of awareness of God. It, 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 it excludes us from His presence. We want to withdraw from Him when He wants to come and commune with us. Every single time we're tempted to sin, every single time we're tempted to do the things we know we shouldn't do and that God has called us out of, our confidence in God is at stake. And let me tell you what that looks like. What confidence in God looks like is like this. It says, God, do you really love me? Is that true, that my confidence in you, that you really do love me, that's at stake? Your confidence in God's presence is at stake. Your confidence in God's care for you is at stake every single time that we face temptation. That's heavy. That's very heavy. But it's very important. It's sobering to think about. And I don't want to know why. I, I, want, I don't want to know why I ever believed the way that I used to believe, what happens is, is we get into this sense of this, this realm of doing it our way and we're going to be our own God like Adam and Eve chose to do. And, and the enemy is so smart because he told them something that's true to this moment right now. And it, it doesn't get any simpler than this, that he said this in the garden. He said, the Lord knows that if you eat of this tree, you're going to be as wise as he is. In other words, he's saying, he's holding something back from you. He's withholding something back from you. And that's the same temptation. It's the same lie that we had this morning. That the enemy has something that God is holding back from us, something greater. That all we need to do is relinquish our faith and trust and confidence in him and do what we want to do and we're going to find happiness there. And that, 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 is such, that is such a ridiculous thing except we can't see it on ourselves. We can see it for others, but we can't see it for ourselves. At the heart of every temptation is the question, can God be trusted at the heart of every temptation. I don't know why we have such a tough time with this, but I do. I do. I have a difficult time because when it's me, I only see that small little thing that I'm tempted with. But when reality, my family's at stake, my faith is at stake, and my future is at stake. I say, God, can you, can you still meet my needs? Can you really meet my needs? Are you really the God of everything? Are you really the God that can empower me to say no? God, can you truly be trusted to take care of me? God, can you be trusted? And when I say yes to temptation, I say, no, God, you can't be trusted. No. You can't provide for all of my needs. I need to fix this on my own. I think you will take I think you will take something from me. I think you're withholding something from me. I think I think that you have something from me that that if I will just surrender my heart to temptation that I think I'll be satisfied. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie. I want to I want to go on record that who you are with right now is who you're supposed to be with. The biggest lie the enemy ever told us is that there's something greater out there that God's holding something back from us. Don't take the bait. God can and will be trusted at Christian Life. Won't you say amen to that?
Temptation is a real thing. Temptation is a huge real reality for all of us. And I want us to practice something. Pastor Rainey's going to come and help. I want us to practice what Jesus did when he was tempted. When he was out there 40 days and 40 nights and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness or into the desert, the Bible says that the enemy came to tempt him. And here's what happened. When he began to tempt him, every single time he was tempted, the Lord opened up his mouth and he spoke back to him. He told him, it is written. It is written. It's in the book. It's in this book. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You're not going to get me to. You're not going to get me to fall or to fail. So here's what I want us to do. If 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 you walk out of here and this is your homework for the entire week, if you can walk out of here and, and think temptation's real and I have a problem with it, and everybody else in the church has a problem with it, and I can see it on them, but they and I can't see it on myself. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pause. I want you to stop. The next time that you're you're tempted, the next time that thing, that reoccurring thing that you doesn't you've never dreamed that you could get free from, I want you to stop and I want you to pull the curtain back on that thing. And I want you to say this. I see you for what you are. It's not about this. I used to think it was. I used to think about it was this small little insignificant thing. It's just mine. I understand it. I got it. But it's not. My future's at stake. My family's at stake. And my faith and confidence in God is at stake. God, I can't trust you. You're going to come take my marshmallow. You're going to come take that one marshmallow. And you're going to tell me, ha, you should have ate that marshmallow because I'm going to take that from you and you're not going to even get the other two. That's how we think sometimes because we give in to the temptations that are so, so seemingly insignificant, but they lead to things. Every time we're tempted. Every time we're tempted. There's more at stake than what we realize. So here's the question. It's a question of all questions. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Can God be trusted? When Jesus opened up his mouth and began to speak to the tempter, he began to tell him, he began to speak back. I believe that that's a promise that we all need to learn and, under, and, and, and embrace today. Here's what I want us to do. It's not going to get weird. I'm not going to do anything crazy. So if it's your first time here, we're all going to come as a family and gather around the front. And I want us to practice something. I want us to practice something. I want us to practice speaking to temptation. I want us to practice it. I want us to open up our mouth and begin to talk and begin to tell some things to the tempter. Would you come? Family, come. Come with your family today. Come with your family today. I have some instructions for you when you get down here. Here's the reality. We all have it. It's not going away. But Jesus has given us a key. Jesus has bought and paid and broke the chains that we could have freedom. Freedom from sin. Romans would say, I'm not a master. Sin is not my master. Sin is not my master. 
I've been bought. The curse of sin has been broken. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to begin to talk to temptation. I want us to repeat after me. Temptation. Temptation. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Temptation. Temptation. Only say this if you have temptation. 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 You will not have my future. Temptation. Temptation. You will not have my family. Temptation. You will not have my faith. Temptation. You're not going to steal my future. Temptation. You're not going to steal my family. Temptation. You're not going to steal my faith. It's not so because I said it. It's so because he said it. And he set us free. We don't have to be bound by sin. We don't have to be bound by temptation. We don't... But here's what we have to do. We have to pause. We can't pretend that it's okay. We can't pretend and go through the motions. We have to recognize it for what it is, pull the curtain back on it, and begin to speak to it. Why don't you lift up your hands and begin to talk to God in your own way. Begin to tell Him, God, I'm ready to get control of this temptation thing. I'm ready to pull the mask back. I'm ready to pull the curtain back on it. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. Deliver me from evil. God, I know, I know you're with me. I know you're for me. I know that you paid and purchased and bought me with your own blood. God, you have, you have taken the curse of sin out of my life. And the enemy of my soul would love for me to think that I'm bound by temptation and sin. But in the name of Jesus, I am liberated. In the blood of Jesus, I am set free. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.